0: Well, I've uh, got a, a little gift I want to share with you before we um, jump into the passage for today, and you know it's really one of the great privileges I have to receive all kinds of credit for things I had very little to do with, and uh, and it's just a great uh, benefit of the job. And every once in a while, the opportunity comes to share that um, with you, and. Um, so, this uh, last Sunday, when we finished the liftoff series, and we talked about how the, the, the Spirit is, is at work in us, lifting us out of here into the world, just as the Spirit's been doing since the beginning of the church, and uh, taking the good news of Jesus in language that the people outside the church can understand. And on my way out on um, uh, Sunday, um, Kara um, Rosebrook, who's uh, the daughter of Kevin and Joy Rosebrook, gave, are new members of the church in the last year, gave me this picture um, to say, this is what um, I learned. And uh, if you can uh, see on the, the screen, picture of her school there, picture of her, and then a picture of a new boy at school. And uh, she's reaching out to the new boy, saying hello um, to him. And in the clouds, God, in an anthropomorphism, is poking his head out, saying, good job. (laughs) When uh, um, I, I told Kara she made my year. You know, I'm, I, I, I'm, the rest is icing now to see how the Spirit was at work in here. Now, don't worry, you'll, you'll probably see this again. I'll milk this baby for a while. <laughs> and any other, any other pictures that you might have of responses of um, how the Lord is at work in you and spurring you on to lifting off this year, um, feel free to share them with me, to share them with one another. Um, You can even see the lines behind it. She took one of the Who's Who in the pew pads and drew it on the back. Well, today we move into a a new new series about knowing God's plan. You know, knowing uh, that age old question that we regularly have of knowing God's will. How do I know God's will for me? I mean, individually, we regularly want to know God's will, especially when it comes to major decisions in our lives, right? You know, when it's, uh, to, uh, um, when it's time to figure out what school we want to go to, when it's time to figure out what job, what, what career, uh, about getting married, about who we marry, where we're going to live, you know, those kind of big decisions, and we, we often will say, well, God, show us your plans. You know, we just, we just want to know what you want us to do as a church we're in the same spot in a, a discernment process about our denominational affiliation which, which one which which denominational affiliation best helps us God fulfill your mission for us and we're calling it a discernment process because that's a little different than strategic decision making we want to pursue God's leading and Not only know it, but we want to do it. So the next four weeks, we'll talk about some different aspects of knowing God's plan, both in our lives individually and in our lives together as a congregation of Jesus followers that God has called together for His purposes in this place and in this time. You know, probably one of the most significant questions that we wrestle with, the, one of the, the challenges in knowing God's will when we have these major decisions is how do I tell the difference between my will and God's will? You know, it, it's really easy to get confused. And we've heard people say things that they, where they say, well, this is what God told me, and it sounds an awful lot like what they said the day before. And we wonder, well, is that. Your desire, or is that God's desire? Is is that my desire, or is that God's desire for me? And we long to be able to distinguish between the two so that we can follow God's plan, or at least so we think. That was a great challenge that even Jesus had as well. In the fullness of his humanity, he also struggled with his own desire, toward the end of his earthly life. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, calling his disciples with him to pray, and he he goes alone, and it's just before one of them is going to betray him, it's just before he's going to be executed on the cross, and we learn from him as he ventures in the depth of his soul to pursue the plans of of the Father above all. And and how He names His own desire and names His desire to follow the will of the Father even to the cross. Our passage is in Luke chapter 22 starting with verse 39. It's on page 858 in your pew Bible if you want to turn there or you can... uh, Follow along on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. He, Jesus, came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not come into the time of trial. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. In his anguish he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. When he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping because of grief. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, a couple things that I want you to notice as Jesus enters into this season of obviously anguish, anxiety, terror, prayer. First notice, he he goes to the Mount of Olives to pray, and just that little phrase there, as was his custom. Seeking the will of God is not a one-time event. Seeking the will of God is not treating God as a consultant in our difficult decisions. That's, that's not the heart of what we're about when we're saying, well, how do we know God's plan? We, we don't want to treat God as a celestial psychic. Well, when we get in trouble and we're not sure what tomorrow will bring, well, then we call in the heavy hitters. God, will you tell us now what we need to do? That's, that is not, if, if that's our notion, then we are wrongheaded. We are, we are using God. Instead of submitting to Him. If that's where we are. And that's not, the way, that's not where God was. Not where Jesus was. It was His custom. The very purpose of His life. Was to live out perfectly the ways of the Father. It, it was the direction of His life. To, for, for His heart and the fullness of Jesus' humanity. For His heart to be fully aligned with the Father's heart, so that their desires, their longings, were the same. And I propose to you that is our purpose as well. Not that that we come to know what God would want for us, but that our very soul would be in alignment with the very heart of God so that even our desires would be in alignment with God's desire. We seek and believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to bring that kind of transformation into me and you, into us. One of the things, that again, that we get wrong is that somehow we think, we have the the false notion that if God just tells us what to do, then we'll do it. Really? I mean, this is not a problem of God's communication to us. I mean, just be clear about all the things we know are God's will. Don't lie, okay? Don't speak the truth. Don't lust. Don't covet. That's pretty clear. Those are clear words that we don't need to decipher or interpret or anything like that. How do we do this week? You know, that we just got those down. They're clear. No, it's not an issue of us knowing. It is an issue of the transformation of our very desire and longing that we surrender to the way of God because in trust... We know that His way is what is best and what is right, even if a cross is staring us in the face. I've said on occasion, you know, God, if you'd only give me a burning bush, then I'd know. Yeah, I think God gets a nice chuckle out of that. I mean, think about the times in Scripture. Often, when God appears and gives a clear directive to folks, what do they usually do? Push back. You sure? Moses at the burning bush. You know, in that conversation, well, God, I know you've called me and you want me to be the one, but I can't speak. You know, Zechariah, who was John the Baptist's son, or John the Baptist's father. You know, angel appeared to him. Hey, this is what's going to happen. You're going to name him John and Zechariah. No way. How's that going to happen? And remember, that's when the angel said, well, from here until the time he's born, you can't say anything. And he was rendered mute. Yeah, regularly. And just look at Israel, right? I mean, He got the Ten Commandments. Didn't take him a few days to knock a few down. It's not about us knowing. The, the process of pursuing God's plan is not about us getting the knowledge. It's not about us getting the right answer. It is about the transformation of our heart. The transformation of our very longings and desires. I mean, Jesus, in the fullness of humanity, as he's praying in the garden, didn't pursue the Father's will, didn't know the Father's will, because of some magic words or secret prayers. It was in the the fullness of his humanity that Jesus had developed a heart Because his regular custom of meeting with the Father. So that his heart was in alignment with the Father's heart. So that he could not only know the Father's will, but more importantly, do it. I believe that it is in anxious situations, like major life decisions and church discernment, that bring all kinds of anxiety, that bring all kinds of uncertainty, which the spirits can use to push us to our knees, to seek the Father's hand and leading, and in those times better form us to hear and pursue the Father's will with greater energy and with a, a more tenderized heart. Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. uh, tells the story in uh, January of 1956 as a new minister in Montgomery, really just out of graduate school, 27 years old. He returned home around midnight from organizational meetings where folks are trying to push him to, to be the leader. You be the spokesman. You're the new kid in town. You're, you're set for this. You're gifted for this. And he really doesn't want to do it. He really just wants to be a preacher of the gospel. He doesn't, doesn't want to be the leader of the Montgomery bus boycott, which is what they're talking about and trying to develop and he gets home, midnight, his wife and daughter asleep. He sits at the kitchen table. The phone rings, and he answers, and it's an anonymous threat to him, to his family, to his home. At midnight, he's, he's shooken by all of that. He, he hangs up. He can't go to sleep. He gets a pot of coffee, sits down at the kitchen table, crying out to God. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I just want to preach the gospel. And he said at that kitchen table, he heard, I heard the voice of Jesus saying, still to fight on. He promised never to leave me. Never to leave me alone. He promised never to leave me. No, never alone. And that experience, when his heart and soul were tenderized by the anxiety of the moment, formed him not only for the Montgomery bus boycott, but for the next years of ministry of leading the civil rights movement in the name of Jesus. We see in Jesus this, this struggle, this anxiety, sweating drops of blood. We see in him in this time the fullness of his humanity. And we can recognize, along with Dr. King and others, our own struggle. We recognize the battle between our own desires, our own plans, and God's desires and God's plans. And Jesus models for us how to walk into those decisions, into that anxiety, into that even terror. By naming His desire and setting it aside. It's what church fathers and mothers have called a holy indifference. A holy indifference where they name, like Jesus did, he named his own desire. If you can take this cup from me, I do not want to suffer. If you can take this from me, then do it. He named it. In our decisions that are before us individually and as a church, go ahead, name it. What do I want to see happen? Name it and then set it aside but not my will, your will be done. In the decisions that are before you and the decisions that we are as a church, we, don't, we, we want blatant honesty with ourselves and with God. Name what our longings and desires are and then set them aside and say, But above all, we want your will because your will is what is good and right and perfect. And that's exactly what Jesus did in that moment. A space of holy indifference. And it's in those places, in that longing, that the Spirit continues to form us so that our desires become more in alignment with the Father's will. It doesn't become just a resignation, but a longing, a desiring for God's will above all else. The the main point that we we get from, from this event in Jesus' life is that our longing for God's will is not so important that we need to hear God's answer. But in our longing for God's will, we receive God's power so that our heart is transformed so that we fall in alignment with God's plan. It's not just so we can make a right decision, but so that He can form our heart to be more right with Him. I mean, Jesus here had two competing desires just like we do. One, to avoid pain, to pursue comfort, and to pursue pleasure. And the other, to obey the Father. To participate in the Father's plan of rescue for the world. Now, both these desires belong to Jesus, and He names them. And it's not that one's bad or one's good. I mean, the the choice to avoid pain is a good thing. And don't forget that pleasure is the creation of God. So it's not wrong To pursue pleasure. It is wrong to pursue pleasure or avoid pain when it causes us to transgress the very desire and plan of God. So I also want to correct the notion that some of us can have that if, well, if I want it, then it must be bad. That's not the way either. Uh, I I struggle with that some. figure, well, if, if I want it, then that's not what God's going to give me. And that's really the opposite of what the psalmist says. Psalm 37, where he says, take, Psalm 37, 4, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But you get the order there. You see what Jesus was doing at the garden? He was hearing this psalm and he was living it out. He was putting his desire seconds, to taking delight in the Father. Take delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord and He will form the very desires of your heart. To be in alignment with His. And then you will be walking in this life in the major decisions and in the minor decisions. According to the desire of and longing of the Father. So knowing God's plan. One of the first steps of knowing God's plan is to be sure our focus is on our heart. Our focus is on our soul, on our longings. And that that we name our desires and put them aside in a place of holy indifference. And that we feed, that that we feed off of the desire that is within us to pursue God's heart above all things. I believe that longing is in every one of us. Each one of us created in the image of God. We have within the depth of our soul a a longing that is tied to the, the music of eternity that wants to do God's will, that longs for it. It's just the the noise of the world, the sin within us, and even the evil one around us tamps that down, silences that longing. In this place of holy indifference, crying out to the Father, we are in touch with that longing within us to do God's will. And so like Jesus then, We simply have to spend time with the Father. We have to take that time to talk to God about it. What is that situation? What is that situation where you're longing, God, what's your will in this? Talk to Him about it. Let Him know, this is what I'm longing. This is what I'm desiring. Take, Take 10 minutes every day simply to sit with the Father. Tell him honestly and openly, this is what, where you are, what you're longing, what you're desiring for, and set it aside and listen for his guidance unto you. And we, as a, as a church, as we, in these five months of this discernment process that are before us, let us do the same. Let's spend 10 minutes a day, this week, saying, "I right, God, what... This is what I want. This is what I think. But I'm laying that aside so I can hear from you because I want us to do your will, not mine. I believe this is the most important first step. Because if we see God as a a divine psychic, just as a, a heavenly consultant who's just going to give us some right information, but we forget, no, that the point of this is the transformation of our very heart. Then we've, we've missed what God wants to do in and through us, through this process together, and individually in our own anxious, challenging decisions that are ahead of us. Make your request, may our request be this week, God, in the midst of this discernment, in the midst of this decision, change my heart so that I want to do your plan above all else. Change us so that we want to do your plan and will be tempted by no other. Change my heart so that I want to do your plan and change us So that we want to do your plan and will be tempted by no other. Amen.